The Birth Circle podcast features experts in all the nuanced areas of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum with the aim of helping women make the choices that will keep them safe, healthy, and empowered. We respect all birth choices and believe in supporting informed consent and evidence-based practices. Nothing said on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. You should always seek the advice of a competent professional for your care. Welcome to the Birth Circle podcast. This is Sarah with The Birth Circle, and I'm so pleased to have Brie Moore with me today. And Brie is a free birther, which means unassisted birth. And um, we're so excited to hear about your story today. But just, just as a reminder, this is not a medical podcast, and nothing that we say today should be taken as medical advice, and that you definitely need to make the plans that you need to make to, to keep yourself safe. This is just one of the options I want to explore in childbirth a little bit less known and, and fewer resources, which is why what the problem, why we want to kind of bring light to this. So um, thank you for being here, Bree. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So how many kids do you have? I have five now. They're all under the age of seven. Oh, that's, that's, wow. That's a lot of kids and a lot of diapers. It is. <laughs> I did that too, but I didn't end up having five. I just had four, but very close <laughs> together. And you have a little munchkin here today. What's his name? This is Andrew. He's Andrew. six months old. Awesome. So if you hear little cute squeaks, it's Mr. Andrew here in the background, taking advantage of the podcast mic as a toy. <laughs> okay. So did you have all of your babies at home? I didn't. I had four of my kids at home. My first one was a hospital birth. And then the second one was at home. With a with midwife. A, with a mm-hmm. midwife. And that went what, Really great. well. Yeah. yeah, really well. Both of my assisted births um, in the hospital and at home were both, honestly, textbook. Very straightforward, great births. So um, do you, what made you decide to do a home birth? Or, a, sorry, a free birth? Um, well, a lot of it kind of came down to uh, when I, I moved away from the city where my second birth happened. So I couldn't use the same midwife, the same home birth midwife. She was really hands-off, and I really liked that. Mm. Um, But when I started interviewing midwives in my new area, I was not finding somebody who was... Who was that hands off? So um, without mentioning where you were, we are recording from Utah. So mm-hmm. you had your first two babies in Utah and then you moved out of state. So you were in a state where no, midwives- I was still Oh, in you were Utah. still in Utah, but just mm-hmm. not in an area just where the midwives- close enough. Got mm-hmm. it. Because I kind rural. of birthed fast. So oh. yeah, I wanted somebody within an hour and I lived further than that. Oh, so. wow. That's hard. Okay, cool. So um, tell me about like your preparations. Where did you get the idea? to do a free birth because I only thought free births happened in cars on the way to the hospital. <laughs> like I didn't know people actually chose to have. That's I mean, I did, you could do on purpose. Now I do because I met you. But up until recently, I didn't realize that this was really an option that women would choose. Um, yeah, absolutely. For me, um, I really wasn't considering it and I hadn't heard about it either. I'm pregnant with my third and I'm interviewing midwives. And I was not finding one that I liked. I had interviewed a few and I chose one tentatively kind of like, let's see how this will work out. But we had our first prenatal visit and it just was not clicking. Like, you know, when you find a provider that fits, you know, um, you can kind of feel it. And I wasn't feeling that, um, with this midwife. She was lovely. She still is lovely. We're friends, you know? Um, I just didn't really want her to be at my birth. And um, so we were talking about that and about why I didn't want that and some of the things that she was requiring me to do to be in her care just made me uncomfortable because I didn't feel like I needed them. Mm. Tests and, and just different procedures that she wanted for her own liability purposes, um, which I understood fully. I just yeah. really felt intuitively that I didn't need those things and I didn't want them. And so she actually brought up, um, maybe you want an unassisted birth. Wow. She was the first one to sit, give me that terminology because I didn't even know it was a thing. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll look into that. You know, it was not on my radar. So I Googled it. <laughs> I Googled unassisted birth Uh-oh, and decided to see what was out there. Um, there were a few resources actually. Um, there's a website, Unassisted Childbirth, um, which has a book associated by Laura Kaplan Shanley. 
And it's probably one of the most well-known books out there about unassisted birth. Um, she speaks on it all the time. And, um, and so I read that, like got my hands on the book, read that. And I just was eating up all the information I could wow. find. Um, there's another website called the Indie Birth Association. Indie um, birth. Yeah, Indie Birth, like <laughs> independent birth. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they operate out of Arizona um, and they're very cool. They're like really traditional midwives, um, like really traditional midwives. Super, yeah. So, and that type of, I mean, when you say really traditional, it really is, they're just there to like help where they, they like can. They like sit in the not, other room yeah. while you give birth. Yeah, yeah. they're not yeah. hands-on. But they're very mm-hmm. cool. They had a podcast with some, a few episodes at the time. Now that's got like 60, it's it's pretty impressive. Um, so I just, I just found everything I could. And then I started finding groups on Facebook, um, people who were actually doing this, actually planning it, having successful births. And it clicked, like Mm -hmm. it just felt right. And um, I am a really, I'm a (laughs) go-getter. When something feels right, I'm just going to do it. You know, I don't need a lot of time to think about something because when it feels right, it is right for me. Um, but I did have to talk to my husband about it. I knew yeah, that like, was my <laughs> next question. I'm like, there are two sides of this, you know, this part. Like, Absolutely. How, what did your other part feel? He had been an amazing partner for both of my other births. Um, the hospital birth was an unmedicated birth and he supported me through a hypno babies class and, and he was there by my side through the whole thing. And, um, with the second, I convinced him home birth was the way to go. And he, loved it. He loved being at home. So he was already really supportive of me being at home. And when I mentioned free birth, I do remember him kind of freaking out. He remembers it differently. If you ask him, he's like, no, I was okay with it. And I'm like, no, No. (laughs) because his first question was like, what if you die? That that was my first question too. It felt like we went back to square one a little bit with the whole home birth discussion, because it was a lot of the same questions. What if you die? What if you bleed? What if you, you know, Yeah. they were all great questions and really Anyone who's planning a free birth should have an answer for yep, those and questions. And we are going to talk about all of those because yeah. I want to know what went your yeah. entire process. Okay, so, so you got um, awesome husband on board. Somehow. I did. <laughs> he, it was kind of, I dripped on him for a little bit. <laughs> I say dripped because it was like I just fed him little tidbits. Say, we have a joke in our marriage that it has to be his idea, even if it takes me two years to convince him that it's his idea. <laughs> it's a little bit like that. Yeah. He just needs all the information yeah. and he needs to feel comfortable. And really in the end, it came down to he trusted me and he could see that I was doing the research and then he trusted that I would tell him anything he needed to know. And so from that trust, he just said, okay, let's do this. You know? Cool. That, that's really cool that you guys have that relationship. And you're obviously a researcher and a learner. <laughs> I love the kissy sounds. I know. So you, yeah, that sounds like, like a cool compromise. Like, babe, you got me. I'll, I'll read what you want me to read. And that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about the birth. Like you go into labor. This is your third baby. First unassisted. Yeah. We decided I kept track of my own prenatal care, um, through the whole thing. So I took my weight and I took my blood pressure and I did a few things to make sure I was tracking my own health through the pregnancy. Um, And if if you had um, seen anything that kind of alerted you, uh, you would have saw. I would have. I would care. have. If I had felt off at all, if any of the numbers had started to climb or dip in any way that was. Now, are alarming, you a I trained midwife or doula I am, or anything? I'm a, I'm a doula. Okay, doula. Um, but doulas aren't trained for blood no. pressure or anything. So how do you just Google, you know, what's a good uh, blood YouTube pressure? We it. <laughs> how do you check okay, your blood pressure? Okay, you had a baby with YouTube. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, no, so we you, just checked our blood pressure with YouTube. We didn't have a baby with YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Did you um, do like the urine strips or like... I chose not to. Okay. No. Um, didn't do that. Um, with my first birth, I was GBS positive, um, but decided with my second birth, I didn't want to test for it. And so with my third, with my free birth, mm-hmm. it didn't really feel didn't like something I wanted to do. I didn't worry okay. about it. All right. So um, so you felt good your entire prenatal with all your mm-hmm. care. Felt really, really good. One of the main things I was looking, I was concerned about being breech because I knew that was, I was like, Okay, I don't yeah, know so if can I you feel, feel where the baby? I mean, you could tell. Where I've the learned baby how was. to palpate my own belly, and so I felt pretty comfortable and confident telling where my baby's position was. Um, so I, 
I could tell. I'd had two babies who were breech up until like 36 weeks. So I knew what that felt like. That was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I knew it was a thing. And I knew that um, it probably increased my chance of maybe having a breech baby. Um, and I was still undecided about whether I would actually give birth at home if that were the case or if yeah. I'd go to the hospital for a C-section because that's what they would do if I showed up. Right. Um, so I did a lot, again, just a lot of reading and research and became confident that whatever happened, I would know what to do it was just the feeling I had. Um, I did read about like what to do if you're having an accidental breech birth. So I knew some techniques I told my husband, you know, we were prepared. But if you knew you were breech, you would have made a different. I don't know. Oh, I would have made a decision in the moment. In the moment. Uh-huh. Got it. Cool. I would have. Hey, um, I'll, I'll give you that. That's <laughs> awesome. I'm, I'm a really strong proponent of following your intuition well, and, that's, and not that's being just afraid. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the thing. That's, that's part of why I wanted to start this podcast and get these resources out because I think that so many times women are gaslighted about their own feelings about their pregnancy. And you hear stories of moms coming in and telling the doctor something's wrong, something's wrong. And the doctor's like, no, you're just a crazy pregnant woman. And then something goes wrong. Yes. And mm-hmm. and my say my say is like and and I've had times in my pregnancy where I felt crazy but nothing really was wrong. And so it's like how do you balance the hormones of feeling at, yeah. a little bit out of control and there's all these, you know, things going on like this new baby and this, how is this going to change the family and my relationship and what is this going to do to my work and I mean there's all those emotions how do you balance all of those unknowns with really at the core how you feel? And I feel like the answer to that is education Mm -hmm. and confidence. Like us sisters, I mean, now talking to you, everybody in the nation is going to be like, hey, yeah, I know this girl, my friend Bree, she gave birth (laughs) unassisted. I mean, this is, this is the thing that, that once they hear your story, they're going to be able to kind of put it in their pocket of tools and just Mm -hmm. say, okay, this is, this is something that, you know, people have done. And if my intuition is telling me that I need to do this, that I need to find this resource and this resource and to keep myself safe. Yes, absolutely. And and gaslighting goes both ways. It can go in the positive sense of you feel like everything's right and you should go down a certain path and everybody's telling you not to do that, right? Um, That like somebody might feel like- That's a good point. To seek a certain- um, Well, that's why I kept my- My first home birth, Mm -hmm. I kept quiet because I didn't Mm want to hear anybody's crap about it. Exactly. So that's a different kind of gaslighting. Yeah, um, exactly. Same. It's basically just overriding a woman's intuition. Mm-hmm. And that I think is the cause of so much of the trauma that we see. Yeah. Amen. Okay. So I, I still want to hear your birth stories, but I, yes. I think this is a great segue to my question about why women give birth, uh, free birth, why they do it unassisted. Uh-huh. And my assumption here, I'm going to like, <laughs> again, I've never given birth unassisted. Almost did though, man, my midwife is not coming fast enough. Um, but just, I feel like uh, so many women choose unassisted birth because they've had a traumatic experience in their previous birth and have no other option. Like maybe they're in a state where home birth is illegal and they absolutely can't go back to the hospital because of so much PTSD. So they choose a free birth or an unassisted birth. They're really not set up for it. They're not safe. You told me before we started recording that you don't completely agree with that. So let's like, let's beat that subject up for a minute. Yeah, for sure. So um, from what I've seen in the, in the free birth communities, there's definitely a huge majority of women coming from traumatic experiences. So that's definitely a thing. Um, and then there's a lot of women doing it even just for money sake, because the resources aren't there oh, for them to have oh, a home birth. They can't pay that, for it. Of course. That one bugs me a little bit because it does bug me too. the resources should be there. Uh-huh. Um, somebody who can't afford, like you, that shouldn't be a thing that you can't afford to get birth at home or in a safe environment for you. Um, let's go. Then there's a group of women, sometimes first time moms. I see, I do see a number of first time free birthing moms and they are incredible women who just trust their bodies and trust birth and they learn about birth and they set up support systems for themselves, but they still go ahead and free birth at home. And there's no trauma. There's no, you know, there's nothing leading them to that except their intuition and their belief that they can, that they can do this. Um, so there's the whole spectrum really of women giving birth. Um, but yeah, a large percentage are, um, coming from a place of trauma and 
I would and say you were this, not coming no, from a place I of trauma not, at all, which is why really, you're a great no. person to talk to because mm-hmm. you made this decision based purely off of intuition and not as a knee-jerk reaction to PTSD. Exactly. Yeah. I've always, with each of my births, I've just always looked for a way to like improve the experience, to enjoy the experience more, um, to have a more sacred and joyful experience. So... That's been my motivation with all these. With my first in the hospital, really, it bugged me that they would mention things like, if you don't do this in so many hours, you need Pitocin or, you know, and just Mm -hmm. to feel like that pressure of somebody else's authority and ideas of how my birth should go Mm -hmm. really bugged me, got under my skin. um, And that's, I'd wanted a home birth with that one, but it was a compromise with my husband. Just, you know, both of our collective fears led to, okay, we feel safest in the hospital. And literally as I'm being wheeled out of that room after having my son, I look at him and I say the next one's at home mm. um, just because I knew that's what I wanted. And But after having my first hospital birth, even though it went really well and I didn't have any medication and I didn't have any, you know, the midwife was wonderful and really coached me through things. Um, you know, it... It was still, there's just something bugging me about the fact that I didn't have full freedom to move the way I needed to move, to make the sounds I needed to make, like just little things bugged me. And then my home birth with the midwife was better. It was a lot Mm -hmm. better. Um, And the midwife was really hands-off and really respectful. Um, But again, there were just times where she would say something or suggest something during my labor and you're so susceptible to suggestion in labor yes that it like even this is why you need to make sure your birth team is perfectly aligned with what you want because yeah they they have a lot of influence on how your birth goes they do they really do and even a benign suggestion of how about you do this can completely override Mm -hmm. your intuition to stay where you are or to do something different you can be afraid to suggest something you can be you know you can yeah. just you can feel like I can't express myself the way I need to or move the way I need to or do what it takes to get this baby out because I'm going to inconvenience someone or I'm you know so that that was just one of those things I realized as I prepared for my first free birth that I hadn't realized at the time yeah that that had been in play the, that's the, interesting my, birth, so I never thought about that because we yeah. are such in our culture we're taught to be pleasers and and to care for other people's yes, yes. So it's not <laughs> always a damaging or harmful thing that can no. cause you know a, no. a disconnection in your birth experience. Sometimes it's a, actually a beneficial thing that somebody suggests at the wrong moment or right. You know, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I've learned to. I mean, <laughs> as a fresh, brand new doula, and I'd go to these births, and I'd feel like you know we were all there to help this baby to be born, and and in in my you know in the later years, I've just realized like there's not a lot that I could say that could really, the only thing I can do is to hold space so the mom can do what she's supposed to do and by my energy, give her permission to to do what she needs to do. But there's no, like if a mom is, yeah, we'll go into that later. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just just stay out of the mom's way because a lot, mm-hmm. the other nice thing is that a lot of moms that hire me are more like you. They do know what they want and so they don't need, they don't need or want a lot of mm-hmm. outside guidance anyway. So yeah. So you mentioned just when you asked like the original question of why do women choose free birth? um, One reason I steer away from what the, well, these women are coming from trauma and they're not always prepared and it's dangerous is you discredit their intuition at that point. You don't know what their intuition is really saying to them. So to say like this blanket statement of like these women are traumatized, so they're choosing free birth and that's dangerous. That's a fear-based statement. And so you really have to kind of check that. Boom, and <laughs> you nailed it, my friend. <laughs> it, I see it really strongly among doulas who don't support free birth. Because um, there's actually, it's a never ask on a doula forum if about supporting free birth, really, unless you want a huge debate to break out. Because well, women, there's a lot of fear-based dialogue. There's there a is, lot of but concern. There's also mm-hmm. that, okay, so yeah, let's talk about that for a yeah. minute. So there is fear in the doula community that if you support a free birth, that you are, since you're the most trained, even though you're not medically trained, you're the most trained individual in the room, that if something goes wrong, 
the prosecu- the county prosecutors can come after you. Yeah, yeah. The and reality so- is that they could. I mean, there is a chance of that happening. Uh-huh. And I think that I've personally heard, heard of two cases where the doula was not like arrested or put in jail for it or anything, but just they were put under that spotlight and Mm -hmm. they were questioned heavily and they were essentially a suspect right in that. Um, in, I don't remember exactly if the baby had died. Usually it's a death. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's when something happens. Um, but, but again, the chances of that Mm -hmm. happening and in the doula world, we talk all the time about, well, there's such a tiny chance of you having a, an issue, a risk with birth. And yet there's such a tiny, there's an even smaller chance that, first of all, a situation is going to happen where you're going to end up like dealing with a ba- an infant death, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in, a, in a free birth. And then that you're going to actually be prosecuted for it, like, mm-hmm. or brought, even brought before court for it because somebody decided to press some charges like against the parents or, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. um, that it just seems really hypocritical to me to be like, I don't support free birth because of this itty bitty, teeny tiny chance that something could happen, um, to the point where they say no one should ever have free birth. And how frustrating that is that, that we believe because we believe that then these free birth moms aren't able to hire doulas. Yes, because a lot of times, and there's another thing about, so doula community say, well, th- well, it's unassisted, so they don't need somebody else there. They, they want to birth alone. Well, the whole role of a doula is way different. Unassisted does not mean unsupported. Yes. We Whoa. want to be supported. <laughs> yeah. We do, we do. I've had a doula at two of my free births, and I had a birth photographer who was basically a doula at my third one. So really, it's nice to have a third person there we don't want you to check our dilation. We don't want you to perform any medical task. We just want you to be a doula, squeeze our hips and rub our backs and tell us we're doing it. Maybe help clean up the birth. Maybe help clean us up afterward, and right? It, yeah. But you're going to do the same thing that you do at other births. Um, so there's really not so much of a concern to be afraid. Now, I totally respect a doula who says, I'm not willing to take the risk for my family or my business or yeah. whatever. But... That doesn't mean that you can't respect her choice. Just refer her to Great somebody in your community yeah. who does support it, you know, Yeah. Um, and, and just respect her decision. Right. Yeah. Give her the same respect you give to a woman planning a, uh, you know, a planned cesarean or, you know, anything else that might seem a little radical to you. Like mm-hmm. every woman decides deserves to have the opportunity to birth in the way that they feel most comfortable and most, you know, like it's most safe Amen. for them. Yeah. For sure. Okay, so now tell us about your birth story. Okay. <laughs> Cuz I want to hear all about it. Cuz my question is, okay, my question is, who does the laundry afterwards? <laughs> my husband. Oh my goodness. Okay. I mean, my husband does laundry too, but man, that's a lot of work to No, I'm going to just start out with you don't have to have a super supportive husband to have a free birth. You don't even have to have a husband. Like I've heard so many stories from so many walks of life and situations women have. Um, where they've had free birth. Um, I think the first thing we have to address is that, yes, birth is messy, but it's not that hard to clean up. Really isn't. Well, okay, I will step in there. And yes, (laughs) birth is not, it's messy, but not, I mean, blood, hydrogen peroxide is the best. It cleans everything, yes. Okay, if you have not, you know, sprayed hydrogen peroxide on your underwear after a period or on your sheets, you have not lived. Because it's like pretty exciting. It's the best thing. So stock up on that for sure. Yeah. Have it, some old towels around, yep. some old sheets around. You know, I do the the home birth thing of like double sheeting my bed um, just in case my water breaks on my bed, right? Or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but really like, so who cleans up? You know, it's usually my husband and whatever other set of hands we have there. Did you um, have a water birth or so, birth on land? So that's a really good question. So with my second home birth with the midwife, it was a water birth. I'd always wanted to try it. It's what I'd wanted with my first. And I found that I felt really ungrounded. Like oh, I couldn't move the way I wanted to move. I was nervous about like being too low in the water. Like it just did not make me feel comfortable. So I decided that my free birth would be, my first one would be on land. And my <laughs> husband and I think that's so funny. Like we're having our baby on land. Like, why is that even a thing we it's say? So silly. But so um, I, but a lot of free birthers choose the water birth because of the cleanup question. Um, they want it to be easy. They'll just drain the tub and clean out the tub afterward. So I think a much higher than like usual number of mm. free birthers actually have water birth. 
Um, but I just didn't want, and I also didn't have access to a tub. Uh, we were living in, at the time, my husband's grandmother's basement. And we had asked her if I could have a home birth, like if she was comfortable with me giving birth in her basement. And she said, well, I was born at home. It was yeah, so yeah. sweet. If you go a couple of generations <laughs> yeah. back, they don't worry about but it. But <laughs> we, we didn't tell anyone we were doing a free birth. Um, at least not from his family. They're a little bit worriers. They're um, all of them mainstream epidural in the hospital birth. Well, and you don't so, want the gaslighting. And why worry their little I didn't, parts? I didn't it has nothing to. to do with them anyways. No. So. so I went on a trip about halfway through my pregnancy to meet, see my parents. They live in Virginia. And um, I did tell them I felt like they would be okay with it. And mm -hmm. they asked me some questions about, are you being safe? And yeah. is this just because you can't afford a midwife? And Cause I we'll, was like, we'll no. Because we'll afford a midwife if you need <laughs> they that. They did. They offered. They said, well, we'll pay for a midwife. And I said, no, I feel really strong. This is the way I should do it. And they respected that. And I'm so grateful to this day that they did. Um, and um, so what was I saying next? <laughs> Birth, giving yes, birth. Yes, yes, tell us um, the birth story. Yeah. So I had decided with this baby, um, I'd gone to 41 weeks with both of my previous pregnancies and I'd felt that pressure of I'm overdue, I'm freaking out, I'm gonna try every single thing under the sun to try to get these babies out, uh -huh. including like I got an acupressure massage. That was just like, Ooh. we're gonna massage the pressure points. It is not a relaxing massage. Not a re just not warning so people, <laughs> it hurts because they're pushing on these points and they're really tender and like, yeah. Get, so. If you do it, get a relaxing massage afterward. Well, but you were doing it to put you into labor. So I you wouldn't was. expect it to be. I didn't expect it to be I know. I went to, to somebody too. Um, she said she can release your hips. Yeah. And so she did this like massage. I don't know what magic she did on my hips. But then she said, okay, go ahead and squat. And I squatted and I felt the baby like just no. drop. And I was <laughs> no. like, oh, there we go. Yeah. So yeah. The, so yeah. both of my previous births, I'd done that. And both of them, like, I just felt guilty for like pressuring my baby to come out. Like I didn't do anything harmful. I wasn't taking any weird herbs or anything, but I still felt just that level of intervention was just too much. And mm -hmm. so I'd promise. Well, and this if you baby, know you cook your baby longer, mm -hmm. like if you, you know, if I already had two babies at 41 weeks, like I cook my babies long too. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I had promised this baby, I said, you can come when you want. I'm not going to make you come. Like I'm not going to do anything extra. I'm really just going to wait. And that baby tested me. Oh man, I was oh. 42 weeks and three days when oh. I finally went into and labor. And you were pretty convinced that you were going to be pregnant for the rest of your life. I was. My husband was My husband was finally starting to crack and be like, when should we be worried? Like, you're really... And I'm like, maybe we miscalculated my due date. Like, yeah. We were going off of an ultrasound. We had gotten one. And that made us feel more confident with our decision to free birth. A lot of free birthers don't do any sort of prenatal care testing ultrasounds. Oh boy. But we like to get an ultrasound. It makes us feel, like I said, more confident about our decision. That the placenta is okay, in a good place. That's interesting. So you've gotten that. three, so you've gotten ultrasounds with your last three free births. I have. Uh -huh. okay, I personally feel better about that. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Not that that matters at one inkling, but that yeah. is like, oh, that's a, that's a cool tool that you utilize. Cause I don't like ultrasounds mm -hmm. personally. Yeah, there you go. So that's interesting. Like in your case, like, that's a cool tool that you use. In my case, I chose not to have an ultrasound with two of my babies. Yeah. So, so but for you, you yeah. had someone there and that it's, made you yep. feel that confidence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I love it. Just different for everyone. And <laughs> yep. I feel really lucky here in Utah that there's such wide access to those out of hospital resources. Uh -huh. So there are independent ultrasound technicians that work with the midwives around here. And you can pay them to get an ultrasound, even if you don't, they prefer if you have a care provider, but yeah, <laughs> I no, didn't I an and they went ahead person. and did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, that was really cool tool I got to use. Um, so we were confident. Everything was good. Placenta's in a good place. Baby's healthy, you know, and I was still, I was tracking movement. I was checking my blood pressure. You know, there were things that I was making sure that um, there weren't any warning signs of things like going overdue that I should mm -hmm. be worried about. And so, but my husband was worried and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go until I feel like something's wrong and we need to seek help. And we're religious, you know, we're Christian. We prayed about it. We sought um, God's advice and still felt really confident. So we just moved forward. Um, you know, I, I had typically gone into labor at nights with my first two. So I was kind of anticipating that, but... 
it was about four in the morning that I started feeling my first contractions and they were making me cranky. <laughs> I went, to, I slept what? You weren't in thrilled? between. <laughs> no, <laughs> I slept in between them. Um, and uh, then about eight o'clock we woke up. I've got two little kids under the age of three running around the house. We're trying to get breakfast going. And I'm looking at my husband and I'm like, I'm done. I'm going to go downstairs. You, cause we ate upstairs with grandma. So I'm going to go downstairs and I'm just going to chill and you handle the kids. And he was like, okay, good call. Friend. You know? <laughs> so then it was about 10 AM and I'm feeling things are stronger. They're still 10 ish minutes apart. Um, you have to realize I'm not like a religious tracker of things. So I'm like, well, th- how do I feel? You know, I'm right. going And time is so weird. Unless somebody's tracking for you, so it's kind of hard weird. to track so, your time. So um, about 10 o'clock, I did have a friend who was training as a doula at the time. And she had agreed to come be at my birth. She hadn't actually been to a birth yet. So I was oh, going to wow. be her first. And I had traded her services for me teaching her about being a doula because I was a oh, doula. Oh, that's cool. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was teaching her all the ins and outs and what to expect. And she decided to come to my birth. So we called her and she headed over and we asked her to take the kids next door to my mother-in-law's house. She lived next door, which was really nice. Um so they left and she came back and I said, just go upstairs and do the dishes for us. If that's like, okay, we want some alone time. Cause I'd kind of always wanted to see if being intimate during labor would jumpstart things. Mm. And this seemed like a great opportunity to try. Right? <laughs> so we're like snuggling and trying to get into the groove and we hear the doorbell ring upstairs and it was my husband's oldest brother going to visit grandma. <laughs> that killed it. <laughs> His brother's talking upstairs and we can hear him. And we're like, this is weird. This we is can't not romantic. <laughs> nope. So we played a card game. <laughs> we just stopped and played oh a card game. Oh my gosh, this is hilarious. And in the middle of this card game, my contractions picked up to being about five minutes apart. And they got really hard, really fast. Um, so um, my baby ended up being born at um, 2 p.m. So we went from like 8 a.m., I mean, 4 a.m.-ish to 2 Mm -hmm. p.m. It really was about an eight-hour labor um, from when the time things really picked up. Like baby was born in your bed or Uh, No, so living room floor. We had like shower curtains. I mean, like describe the setup. We just had a towel. We had like two or three towels on the floor. My husband, as I'm laboring, my husband is recognizing my cues and he's just responding. So I taught him how to use a rebozo, first of all. So he's using it on me to like help with the contractions. Go Google rebozo. Rebozo is like a long scarf that you can use to... um, you can use it for belt wrapping or, but, but you can also use it for comfort measures and labor. They're amazing. So amazing. And I'm really glad I taught my husband how to use one because he was using it to shake me back and forth and it helped me cope really well with the contractions um, that got intense really fast. And um, we called the doula down to the room with us and she was mostly giving me water when I needed it. Um, she was taking pictures she made me a bagel at one point that I ate. That was like earlier. <laughs> I like bagels when I'm in labor. It's a thing. I like blueberries. Actually. It's a thing. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> um, and, but my husband, because he knew how to use the rebozo, he was kind of taking on that like really hands-on supportive role. Anyway, um, he was like intoning with me. I still remember hearing him like making sounds, birth sounds with me because he helps me like remember to stay low with my sound. So, so do you think being unassisted kind of helped your husband become kind of uninhibited a little bit? It did because he didn't have to worry if he was stepping on someone's toes or if he was doing something wrong or, or he was looking funny or if he was looking funny or somebody was going to correct him at any point with what he was doing. It was just me telling him what to do and he could respond really really well to that. Um, and we just work really well as a team. So, um, yeah, he, he appreciated that, um, that aspect of things, but he really liked having somebody there because when I first talked to him about free birth and he kind of finally accepted the idea, his caveat was, I need a third set, a second set of hands. He's like, I need somebody there just in case, baby's coming out and I need something like I need a towel. Yeah. So I thought that was reasonable. The doula we hired was really for him. You know, it was kind of somebody just to be there there with him. Yeah. Dad doula. It is. It is. Yeah. So that's why we've had somebody there at every birth. Really. I could probably just give birth 
like <laughs> I could just do it, but I, I don't necessarily feel like I need someone pressing my hips or being there mm-hmm. emotionally. Like, so in the duel is just another pair of hands to help really your husband, which is totally fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the, the role that a doula would fill for us. But, um, yeah, so he's just responding to my cues and I'm, I am verbalizing every once in a while when I feel something change. So I think one of the things I'd recommend to every birthing woman, no matter what, like location you're giving birth in is be the first one to feel your baby's head coming out because mm. it is the coolest feeling. I did see, it with my see, I will respectfully birth. disagree on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I don't like to, I have. Yeah. yeah no, it's funny. That's, if some you people, don't like to, that's Well, no, fine. I've been at birth and some people are like, oh, I want to feel it. And the other mm. people are like, I don't want to, d- no, stop asking Absolutely. me. So this is kind of but funny. But when you're alone, and there's not somebody asking you to do it. Yes. It's actually really Ooh. an intuitive, instinctual thing. Of course it would and be. And it gives you a lot of feedback that you can't get in any other way. So like uh, one of the questions that a lot of people ask when they're preparing for a free birth is how do I check myself? You know, you think, how do I check my dilation? How do I know how far along mm. you are? You really don't need to do that. You don't need a number. You don't mm-hmm. need to say, I'm five centimeters. And what like, you said um, too earlier yeah. about that you communicated the changes, mm-hmm. I think that that would be useful in any birth setting for yes. you to be the first one to let your birth team know. Mm-hmm. Because actually sometimes I met births where the mom is very quiet and the team is a little bit left up in the air as to how to support her. Yes. But then in other births, the, the mom will say, oh, I just felt that baby drop. That last one was really productive. And we as a team feel like more connected to her like that we're watching her cues more carefully and because she's kind of almost narrating it's not like you yes. owe your birth team an explanation but I'm sure that yeah. that helped your husband kind of guide like how he could support you better if he kind of knew where you were right it, it did yeah it absolutely does too and I get my transition's really obvious I immediately start negative self-talk like I oh yeah do yeah. this and I, <laughs> I blah, love blah, 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 blah. And I like, love it yeah you know if he, a mom says I'm done never mind I'll done. be pregnant for the rest of my life then you know baby's almost I, I was saying things like I don't want to have a baby and he was never like, mind too late. don't you want know, to be married just, burn the house yes <laughs> so my transition is very verbal to begin with and I do kind of like uh sports cast I guess is a way of saying <laughs> it like it. I'm saying I can't do things I don't know what I'm doing blah, blah, blah. and then I'm also saying things like I can feel their head you know yeah and that's really cool to be able to to feel that so and sometimes you don't know what birth feels like for yourself like if mm-hmm. you've had an epidural before if this is your first baby you don't know so it's kind of hard to I don't want to say like narrate your birth and you're going what do I narrate no but even it's sometimes like just I feel stuck because yeah. I know at one of my births I was stuck and I I, in hindsight, I knew I was stuck, but I didn't say anything. And so I stayed stuck for a few more contractions than I probably would have needed to had I just said to the midwife, I feel stuck. Exactly. Because it's not like I have to solve my own problems. I mean, a free birth is different, but I had a midwife watching over me. So if I had said, I feel stuck, it would have immediately alerted alerted her that I was tuned into my intuition and needed support. And she maybe could have suggested a new position or helped me in a way. So that's kind of like, you know, if you just... Yeah. So was your so your doula was was just assisting your husband was not like yeah, hands on to you. She was not. No, just just assisting him, just doing the things he couldn't do because he was being hands on. Um, which was it works for us and it was great. Other situations, you're gonna have a husband who wants to be more, you know, in the background yeah. while the doula is helping you if you have one, or even just while you're doing it yourself. A lot of free birthing women catch their own babies. Okay, yeah. So did he catch the baby? So he, with this one he did, I was on my hands and knees. Um, I was feeling the baby come down and I actually felt a cervical lip. So for those who don't know, that's when you kind of feel a little piece of cervix still covering the baby's head and it feels like it's kind of impeding their progress. So I pulled that out of the way myself. Wow. And I always heard it was really painful to have that happen. But with me doing it myself and being able to give myself the perfect feedback, it didn't hurt. Um, and I was able to slip it over baby's head and baby came wow. down. And that was really neat to be able to do that. Um, and then baby was born in like two contractions um, really fast. My husband did catch because she kind of came out behind me and I was like my hands on the ground all on all fours. And I t- we had talked about it and he he caught our first two. Even the yeah, one in yeah. the hospital, he actually caught. So he's my baby catcher, and I'm I okay love when with you that. Say baby catch. It's not like they come <laughs> shooting out. But. No, no, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so she came out, and the ultrasound had told us that she was a boy. 
and she was a girl. <laughs> so that was a little surprise, kind of fun to, to have that surprise. Um, and she was nine pounds, seven ounces. Nice job. Right, so at the at that time, she was my biggest. Um, I just had big babies, though. They've all been around nine pounds. Yeah, so mine too. <laughs> I just had big babies. But she came out, and she was healthy. I My husband placed her, like, kind of up between my legs, and I just sat back for a second. I didn't want to pick her up right away. I needed to breathe for a minute. But I like found out she was a girl and I, you know, we were looking at her and I'm like, she's crying and I'm talking to her. And then I picked her up and we made our way to the couch. And um, so I could just kind of lay back for a minute and she got to nursing and um, the placenta was a little bit, I would say sticky, um, but I wasn't concerned because I'd read a lot about sometimes it takes a little bit longer. And so I think it was about an hour and a half. And then the placenta came out just fine. Wow. No extra bleeding. No. And the reason I was okay waiting is because I could feel my uterus contracting and I could tell that. Yeah. No, like sometimes you know, in the hospital they do, well, no, always in the hospital they do that <laughs> so awful um, uterus the pressing massage. On yeah, it, pressing yeah. on it. Yeah. Or they'll that? give you a shot of Pitocin to get the placenta out faster. Or, did they do that to you? Like, did you do that to yourself? Did you touch no, your uterus at not, all? You I mean, I touched feel? it to see, to make sure it was contracting because I'd heard that if you've got a soft boggy stomach that's not you're not feeling that uterus get hard then you got to be concerned about the placenta is not coming out and you're going to hemorrhage right so that's something I'd learned I just read so much about birth that I'd I'd learned this Mm -hmm. so I was paying attention to my uterus being hard and baby was nursing and my uterus was still contracting I was feeling those after pains that were really hurting (laughs) They were so hard. I thought there was another baby. Like I was in this like labor hey, shock. So yeah. nobody warns you about the after pains. <laughs> no. Like this is, should be discussed at the baby shower. No, yes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the the after pains get more intense the more with children you have. Child, so I remember do. with my third, the first one, I didn't notice them at all. The second one, I was like, oh, that's uncomfortable. Like, oh, yeah. Period. And then the third one, I was like, what the holy, this is not fair. I was so convinced I was having a second baby <laughs> that we cut her cord and I was squatting and like pushing and like convinced there was a baby. I even got, we had a Doppler. We had chosen to have one on hand just in case. But you couldn't feel anything. But in I there, didn't hear you? anything. Like there's no heartbeat. Oh my I'm like, goodness. my husband's like, honey, I don't think there's another baby and I'm like you're probably right but this really hurts yeah I know I was you know, a little bit blown it, away it did get a little better after the placenta came out and it was a huge placenta like huge placenta just enormous and we just <laughs> caught it in a bowl so it was no big go. deal you know um and and we were good. Like she was healthy. We went to a pediatrician three days later um, just to get her checked out and to get the PKU testing done. Cause mm-hmm. they'll do that at the pediatrician with you call them in advance. Um, they'll do the first one and give you a card for it and everything. Um, and it, it, it worked out great. Like really she was perfectly healthy. Um, three weeks later, she ended up in the hospital cause she got an infection, um, spinal meningitis. It was a viral infection. So again, I was worried initially that, oh, my choice to not get tested for GBS was a problem, but GBS is a bacterial infection. Um, so the hospital told me, nope, this was viral. It had nothing to do with the way you gave birth. Um, and they honestly kind of were weirded out by the fact that I didn't have like, they're like, oh, tell us about her birth. And they're like, wait, you didn't have a doctor. And I was like, nope. And a lot of free birthers worry about, especially in a state where let's say like midwifery is illegal and home mm-hmm. birth is not a common thing. They worry about child protective services yeah, being called. And it's a reality. That. I fortunately live in a state where it's not something I have to deal with as much because mm-hmm. they just, it's more accepted. Home birth is more accepted here. Um, and so they, they ask questions like, why did you decide to do that? And I just, you know, just told yeah. them it felt right. It's, we were healthy and they didn't have a problem with it. So even though we had this week long hospital experience, you know, several weeks after she was born, um, it had nothing to do with the way yeah. we gave birth. And she was a very healthy, very large newborn <laughs> and nursed great, you know, all the, th- all the things like she was healthy. So Perfect. Um, we got That's a birth so certificate, cool. which luckily in oh, Utah, yeah. they have a actual division within the department 
like the state department for the certificates um, that deals with unassisted births. Like there is literally a person you call that is over unassisted births, which is super cool. Wow. Um, to anyone who's like not in Utah and doesn't have that cool thing, um, call the state, don't call your local department because they will not know what to do with you. You no, gave birth without advice. a midwife and it was planned. Like you didn't go to the hospital afterward. They're going to be like, what do I do? That's illegal. You can't do that. Like, you know, um, so call your state and they will most likely have some sort of division that handles those kinds of things. Yeah, because I mean, mm-hmm. well, okay. So if you give birth in the car and you on the way to the hospital, the hospital is then going to still be on your birth certificate. Yeah, because you why, went there. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, if you don't end up in some sort of medical establishment, then mm-hmm. yeah, what do they do with you? Just know that- Every state that I've heard of so far requires you have some sort of proof of pregnancy that's official. So you could go to a Planned Parenthood and get a pregnancy test. You could get an ultrasound, have an ultrasound record. You could see somebody for a couple of prenatal visits, get a prenatal and that record. That makes a lot of sense. So there's they no need to make sure babies. you don't steal a baby. Yeah. So it's kind of inconvenient, but you still do need to get that like official. That's a good good piece of advice. Yeah. If you're gonna yeah. free birth, make sure sometimes you have a proof they accept of uh, paperwork from like a clergyman, a bishop, somebody from your religious institution that they say you were pregnant um, or a chiropractor actually because they're like doctors so oh, wow. they'll take they'll take a note from them I had never heard that that's yeah. really cool so usually I mean, that's useful. it usually that's yeah. it um, I guess it's also a little trickier if you didn't have anyone present at your birth except yourself because they want to have that witness of somebody who saw oh. you give birth mm-hmm. um, just some things to know yeah um, huh and well, look there, into yeah. it. So is there anything else? I mean, man, you just opened up a whole like train of thought for me. Is there anything else that, that like, what do you want to buy? What do you want to have on hand yeah. at home? You can really be as high tech or low tech as you want to be. Um, I hear of women giving birth basically with towels. Like towels is like the most essential thing. You need towels. Um, towels aren't waterproof. Towels are nice. <laughs> you just you just bundle like you you fold them up, fold them over, and you build a nest of towels, and you're really good. <laughs> okay. But if you're worried about the whole waterproof thing, it getting on the carpet, or maybe you rent and you want to be like extra sure you're not going to get anything. Dollar store shower curtain is great to lay down. Um, uh, also, we get like a mattress protector. They have mm-hmm. them at the dollar store, but I find they rip super easy. So I just buy like a ten dollar one on Amazon, and then yeah. I just set my bed up a few weeks before my due date so that my well, water you should breaks probably or do that anything. anyway. <laughs> really anyone should do yeah. that. Anyone having birth in any like any place should fix their bed so they don't soak the mattress if your water breaks. So what so. do you do in the case of a hemorrhage? Like what if the baby came out just fine but then you weren't okay? Yeah, so we definitely had plans. Like we were five minutes from the nearest hospital that we would want to go to like in our network, right. For insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were prepared to transfer if I was bleeding or if I had, I didn't tear. That's something I didn't mention. Nine and a half pound baby. I had no tearing whatsoever. Um, and so we didn't need to go get stitched up. But mm-hmm. if I had, we like, we would have gone in just to the emergency room and we would have checked me in, but not the baby. I would have had my husband there holding the baby they the thing to know is that they probably would want to check the baby, but you don't have to let them. Oh yeah, so. we can say that too. If this is important yeah. to you, if this is a choice for you to either yeah. home birth, because I've been to several home birth hospital transfers mm-hmm. where he's hungry, he is. He's where um, the mom um, has opted not to have the baby even brought to the hospital because um, sometimes there's the temptation to want to check the baby in, almost like you had an accidental car birth and you you know. Trans, um, transfer care to the hospital of the baby too mm-hmm. and then you've got uh, uh, another oh another possible battle to fight like if the if it's a very if you don't want to do certain nursery procedures and the baby gets checked in they're going to have those nursery procedures yeah yeah and then there's the extra cost and there's you know the baby becoming a patient they can hold the baby kind of as long as they want I mean medical kidnapping is a is a thing and mm-hmm. it's scary. So you don't have to check the baby in. Anyway, we were prepared to do that. Um, if, I don't know, a lot of people freak out about the, you know, baby comes out and what if they're not breathing? I actually had been certified in infant, like newborn CPR because I was planning to start uh, apprenticing to become a midwife at the time. Um, I had taken this training as a preliminary step 
um, to apprenticing with a local midwife. So I was a little more, I think, confident in like, I do know how to resuscitate a new, at least to start resuscitation on a newborn baby without equipment. Like I had Mm -hmm. been trained. So I was okay with that. I also knew that emergency services, like the hospital wasn't that far away. You know, it was going to be, whatever happened really was going to be okay. Um, There are very, 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 very few things that can actually happen that would mean your baby would die before you got to a hospital if you live within a pretty reasonable distance. Mm -hmm. So um, for us, it wasn't as big of a concern. Now I know some women live in more rural areas. And so that's where you have to decide how much of a risk, how much does that increase the risk? You know, um, since the risk of things of life threatening things happening to a perfectly healthy, like newborn in utero, um, it didn't seem reasonable for me to have like, to like call, 911 while I was in labor or, you know, like Mm -hmm. to do something like that and to have somebody check them out right away wasn't something that I was concerned about. So So did you monitor the heartbeat or anything during labor? During, uh, no, not really. Um, not, not, not until they were out and I thought there was a twin in there (laughs) (laughs) and then I checked, but because I felt movement and because it was fast, I mean, it was an eight hour labor. Like, um, my previous two labors were four hours and six hours. So I really wasn't expecting a long labor either. If it had been a 36 hour labor that might've changed things for me, you know? Um, but it's something wow. I would have decided again in the moment. So, Oh my goodness. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your story. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. What I love about you is that this was such a conscious choice for you and that you um, educated yourself and everything you felt you needed to know. That's awesome. <laughs> I read everything I could get my hands on, like everything. Bree is a compulsive reader. <laughs> I am. I am. I read so much yes. and I love to do it. So, and um, so where can they find more about you? Cause you wrote a book. I did. Right? I wrote a book about free birth. It's called birth becomes hers. And it is um, the first like third of the book is me telling my stories and giving advice and tips, just like I've done here on the podcast of like, things to get uh, navigating that partner conversation of like, you know, ha- introducing the concept of free birth to them, navigating conversations with family and friends, because that's definitely going to come up mm-hmm. at some point. Um, and then um, just like, like where to give birth and like all those ins and outs of, yeah. that usually somebody else kind of handles and that you now have to think of because so this is kind a of a birth. manual. That a little, little bit. Like, yeah. Like but a it's big not sister's guide. It's, it's not, um, it's not comprehensive. So it's meant to be kind of a companion to other things that you'll read. There's some other cool. books out there that are more focused on what to do. If you have a breech baby, what to do if you, you know, these things happen. Mine is a little bit more like that girlfriend's guide of like, Hey, this is my thing. Um, yeah, yeah. So where do they so, find this book and more so about So they you? can find it on Amazon. And it also contains over 40 free birth stories from other women who have had free birth, including a twin and a breach um, story. So uh, you kind of get Whoa. the perspective of other women wow. out there. Okay, so Amazon Birth Becomes Her. Birth Becomes Hers. Birth Becomes Hers by Brianne Moore. By Brie Moore. Brie Moore. And... Um, you have, do you have a website? I do. Birthbecomeshers.com. Uh, it's not up right now, but it should be really soon. And then I'm also on Facebook, um, just Birth Becomes Hers. Now, I'm going to make a note. There's a birth photography company that's really large, and they're amazing. And their name is Birth Becomes Her. So that S at the end is really it's important. It's very important. Birth yeah, Becomes Hers. Yeah, I make sure I heard that right. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for the, your story. You're welcome. Oh, my goodness. It's been amazing. Thanks for having me. Please visit us at birthcircle.com, join our Facebook groups, or find us on Instagram and Pinterest. We hope you'll use our resources to support your birthing experience. And thank you to LaunchPod Media, who produces these podcasts.